This is Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260, brought to you by Go Autos Kenwood Ford. Great selection, great service, 133rd Avenue, 97th Street. Uh, check it out at KenwoodFord.com. A nice day. I got up this morning, went for a walk, and I was like, hmm, I think there's about 10 degrees missing to this weather. And uh, it was it was a very pleasant walk this morning compared to the last several Saturday mornings. And great weather on the way. I worry a little bit. This is just the old man in me worrying uh, about flooding. We, 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 you know, we've a lot of snow here. Um, we've had cool weather. If it warms up in a quick hurry, and it looks like it might based on the forecast. So beware of that. You know, a little bit of basement flooding. We've owned our house since 97. And we had just a little bit the first or second summer. And that's it, really, since since then. But, yeah, you know, you always worry about that stuff. Homeowners never sleep because everything costs $5,000 when you own a house. Whoa, uh, that thing fell off. That's $5,000. Okay, thank you. It's not, when you start out in life and you rent an apartment or you have a car, you know, you get your, something falls off your car. It's like 9750, but then you, you know, you, you buy a nicer car and then something falls off that and it's $1,100. So what is the lesson? Just never, ever buy. Well, that's not true. I'm just teasing. Everything costs. It's all to scale. Just make sure you're making more money now than you did 10 years ago. You think Cassian and Kadri fight tonight? No, no, I don't. I, I really don't. I, I, I think this will be a hard-fought game. There'll be um, penalties. There'll be um, players on both sides, both teams who are pushing the line beyond the line. Some will get called. Some will not. Fans will be angry on both sides. Uh, there will be blood. Uh, to quote a fabulous movie, but I don't think there uh, may be one fight, but this is too big a game. You, if you're down to one and, and you know, you take a penalty, you can try to get the other guy involved and maybe he fights with you, but chances are no, it's a big game for the Edmonton Oilers. They can't be running around, uh, looking for retribution. Your retribution is the puck in the back of the net after a power play goal, if you're the Edmonton Oilers. And for the Leafs, this is an important game. They didn't play well. Mike Babcock is, you know, grumbly probably all day today. You want to make it, want to be happy, Mike, by 9 o'clock tonight. We are now joined by Ian Tullick from The Athletic. How are you, sir? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good. I read your stuff. I'm all over your stuff, and it's finally nice to, to talk to you and uh, uh, pick your brain a little bit live here. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready to go. Okay. Uh, I've been paying attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs for many, many decades now, and I, I had to look it up because the, the great deal of success uh, uh, leading up to 1967, uh, won a lot of championships in the in the 40s, uh, and won in 1951, I believe. So there's a great deal of success going all the way back, but I think last year's 49 game wins was the most, 49 wins in a year, and they're on track for 50 this year, and I believe that would be the first time they would ever win 50 games in franchise history, which I know it sounds like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, they've had a lot of success over past years, but it's a little surprising to me that this would be the first time for 50. 
Yeah, and I mean, the Leafs since 1967 haven't made it to a Stanley Cup championship. So it makes sense when you think about it because this team's gone through a lot of rough years back when Harold Ballard was the owner. I mean, there was the 1993 team where Doug Gilmore had a great season, but since then the team hasn't had too much success. And you're right, this is probably going to be their best season over the last little while, basically, since the 60s. I think the hard part for Leafs fans is that they're in a division with Boston and Tampa Bay, so it's hard to get super excited knowing that you have to face a team like Boston in the first round. And if you're able to get out of that first round, you have to face Tampa Bay in the second round. I just I feel like it's part of the fact that in the, in the playoffs, the way that the format works right now is you have to go through teams in your division. And the fact that arguably two of the teams in their division are better than them, both in the standings and arguably on the ice, it's... It's tricky. So that's why Leafs fans are in a tough spot right now. They're, they're excited over the team, adding John Tavares. It's been a lot of fun this year. But also, they're not as confident in the team heading into the playoffs as you'd imagine they would be with a team on pace for a franchise record and wins. I felt there might have been more to do at the debt. Muzzin was a nice addition, uh, and they tried to. Uh, we know based on rumors that the Oilers were talking about uh, trading them a right-handed defenseman and rumors that suggest that the Leafs might have wanted the other right-handed defenseman. Uh, but do you feel like there's a, uh, maybe more should have been tried, or, or are you feeling like maybe keep your powder dry for next year uh, when, when possibly the team is closer to first place and maybe has a, a better route maybe to the, the conference final? It's easy to say right now because now that Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott are injured, it, it results in the blue line not looking as deep as it's been. And I know you know all about that in Edmonton with Andre Sekera going down, some other solid defensemen suffering through some injuries. It really affects the depth on the blue line. So I'm sure a lot of Leafs fans would have loved to have seen a trade, whether it was for someone like Nick Jensen or apparently Colin Miller might have been available. So in hindsight, I think a lot of Leafs fans would have wished that Kyle Dubas had addressed the issue on defense. But if Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott were healthy right now, we might not be having that discussion. So personally, I think that I would have liked to have seen maybe one piece added to the deadline, especially on the right side, where I think the Leafs are, are their weakest. But when they have a fully healthy blue line, I do think it's a lot deeper than, than most pundits tend to give it credit. Ian Tullock, our guest from The Athletic on TSN 1260 and Saturday Sports Extra. Uh, the, the one name this year, I've liked his game from the time he's, he appeared in the National Hockey League, but I feel like Mitch Marner has, has in a year where, where uh, you know, Austin Matthews had some injury issues uh, and other things maybe impacted some of the other players here, uh, Nylander holdout, Marner has been fire for the entire year. 58 assists, which is an, a, a phenomenal number. Uh, he's 21 years old. Uh, the the Toronto Maple Leafs fans, I, I know there's a there's a sense of Austin Matthews being like the centerpiece of the foundation of the team, but but I keep coming back to Marner and his his incredible talent and the fact that he can make things happen uh, in a heartbeat. What a valuable player to have for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you're right, he's having such a great breakout season. He's a phenomenal passer, one of the better passers in the NHL. And I guess this is what happens when you come into your young 20s. You just keep getting better and better. You have a great season. People assume, okay, this is what you are as a player. And then you take it that next step further, which is what Marner's done this season. In Edmonton, you're seeing Leon Dreisaitl do it this season, evolve into more of a goal scorer. And in Toronto, I think the, the reason for Marner's success, I think part of it is himself taking a big step forward, but also playing with John Tavares. The way that they've been able to feed off of each other, I would argue that Marner's been the best winger that Tavares has ever played with. 
And Tavares is the best center that Marner's ever played with. So when you just when you combine the two together, they're able to make plays in transition, off the rush, the, the back-and-forth passes they can make in the offensive zone. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And Marner right now is on pace for just under 100 points. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up and how contract negotiations go down because this summer there are a lot of marquee free agents, whether it's Miko Rantanen, Braden Point, Patrick Lane, Mitch Marner, Sebastian Ajo. There are so many high-end players in their young 20s that are due for big contract extensions. So it'll be interesting to see where he, uh, where he ends up in those discussions because I know he had a similar case in Edmonton a few years ago with McDavid and Drysettle getting big extensions. I, I believe that that Marner will be signed, and I think it'll be a, a large number, but Toronto will be able to, to digest it. My, my real question in that area is, and maybe you can help me with this, with, with other players who are emerging and needing to be signed, Kapanen, uh, uh, um, I, I, I know that they promised Nylander that he's going to be there long term, but does does that player become – the, the pressure point, in your opinion, or is it possible? Or do you think the Nylander is also there long-term with Toronto? Unless you can trade him for a top-flight defenseman around the same age. I'm not sure if someone like Colton Pareko would be available or someone like Jacob Slavin in, uh, or Slavin in Carolina. I could definitely understand the argument for it. But personally, if, if they're going to lose someone this offseason, I'd be of the opinion that it's someone like a Kapanen or a Janssen. I think in a perfect world, you're able to sign everybody. You sign Marner, you sign Caput and Janssen. Maybe you're able to trade away the Nikita Zaitsev contract, and that's how you stand under the salary cap. But if push comes to shove, I would imagine that they keep William Nylander. It sounds like Kyle Dubas is really adamant about locking up their young talent and, and keeping the, the core around when it comes to Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. So if one player gets squeezed out of the cap because of, of money, I would imagine that it would be someone like Janssen or someone like Kapanen who could be offer, offer sheet threats this summer. I know we always hear about offer sheets, and you know one hasn't happened in seven years. But if you're going to offer sheet someone, I think it would make a lot of sense to throw $4 million at someone like Kapanen or Janssen because you'd only have to give up a second-round pick, and you'd be getting a legitimate top-six talent. So we'll see what happens. But I'd be of the opinion that Nylander probably stays in Toronto moving forward. And if they have to move someone, maybe it's Kapanen or Janssen. Which is interesting to me because, uh, you know, looking at it from the order point of view and the rumors that we heard at the deadline, which were, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was something like the conversation we heard at the beginning was was Benning for, for Connor Brown, and then Larson's name was was mentioned in there, and then you're like, okay, that would be a bigger deal. Uh, so you wonder if, if Janssen uh, uh, would be available, Kapanen as well. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a deal that could be you know, cobbled together uh, immediately over the radio, but it does kind of give Toronto and Edmonton some, some uh, talking points and some options. Uh, I wonder if that's something that the, these two teams revisit as we head towards the draft. And especially when we get into the draft and the offseason, I had imagine that Connor Brown gets traded this offseason just considering when you look at Toronto's depth chart, he's basically on the fourth line, and I'm sure he could play higher minutes on a team like Edmonton where he could potentially play with someone like Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, and I feel like he would fit in really well there. So I'm not sure if it would be in the package for an Adam Larson or something like that, but 
if Connor Brown is in an Edmonton Oilers jersey to start next season, I wouldn't be shocked at all. It seems like a good fit for both teams. TSN 1260, it's Saturday Sports Extra. Our guest is Ian Tullock from The Athletic. I wanted to ask you as well about Nick Batan. He's a player I've had my eye on for for a long, long time to the point where I think listeners are probably sick of uh, me talking about him. But but I I was fascinated when the deal went down uh, because he's a, he's a guy who has – on his resume, some of the things that we might associate with future success in the National Hockey League. He's not a perfect player, but he has a lot going for him. When he arrived in, in Toronto, uh, I, I I thought he'd be almost a plug-and-play. That hasn't happened. He's, I think, played in a couple of games uh, and has a, a goal. I From afar, it looks like the analytics department and the general manager may see a player here and an inexpensive uh, option for down the lineup, but also able to post some some offensive number and, and maybe the coach is balking a little bit uh and, and i wonder if i'm close to true there or or what you're seeing in the early uh run here for nick Batan as a toronto maple leaf it's tough to say for sure because we're not behind the scenes we don't know the discussions that are going on with uh coaches and management but i do know that when the general manager of the Leafs, kyle dubas was working in the ohl for the sioux greyhounds he loved to have a fourth line with a lot of speed and a lot of skill. And sometimes it would be little guys. It would be like a little 5'8 guy, a little 5'9 guy, lots of speed, lots of skill. It wasn't your typical fourth line. It wasn't the typical, you know, grinders and penalty killers. But he felt it was an inefficiency in a way to help his team score more goals and even strength. So I'd imagine that by picking up someone like Nick Patan and, and trading Parlinholm the other way, that's exactly what he's looking for. He wants to get more speed and more skill in the lineup. Like you alluded to, Nick Patan has had success at, at other levels. The AHL, he was a point-per-game player. In juniors, he, he scored over 100 points with the Portland Winterhawks. And in the World Junior Championship, he tied Conor McDavid for the tournament lead in points in 2015. So we're talking about a player with a lot of pedigree and a lot of skill. He's rotating in on the fourth line right now. It'll be interesting to see where he slots in heading into the playoffs. I'd imagine he's a healthy scratch heading into the playoffs, but... I like it as a buy-low option for a team. He has years of control on him. He's an RFA at the end of the year, so you can keep him for a, for a cheap contract moving forward. I like his talent, and I'd like to see how he fits in with the team in a year or two. But, again, it's, you didn't pay much to grab him. And whenever you can acquire a guy with that kind of pedigree and that kind of skill, I say why not because you're not paying him very much to do it. I think it's a great bet, and and uh, uh, one that the Toronto like. I feel like he's the replacement for Josh Levo. You know what I mean? Like you've got a guy at the the outer marker of your roster who you like, and and it's his job to find his way into the into the lineup. And I feel like those are players that the Edmonton Oilers should be targeting yes, because I agree. you have the you have the elite talent down the middle. If you can run lines with McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins, the difficulty is that. You don't have the complimentary wingers to fill in there. And if you could add some Josh Levos, some Nick Patan, some Connor Browns to play alongside the elite talent, I feel like all of a sudden you'd be able to quickly solve some of the problems, along with maybe a, a full bill of health on the blue line, and, th- and then you might be getting somewhere. Good stuff. Appreciate this very much, sir. Thank you. Anytime. Take care. All right. Ian Tully from The Athletic. I, I you know, I, I, every year around the trade deadline, I go – through the entire American Hockey League and the fringe NHL players. And I and I look for gems, guys that won't cost a lot. And Josh Levo showed up, I'm going to say, five years in a row. And Patan was on his way to showing up five years in a row. I know it's like, oh, low tide, get over it. I'm telling you, 
There are values around the margins of NHL rosters that are like, I think that people think not you, but, but people think that there's such a big difference between the AHL and the NHL. And I'm here to tell you that, that probably the bottom 50 NHL players and the top 75 AHL players are all in a, the same part of the giant swimming pool of talent that is, you know, professional hockey in North America. And, and I don't think Nick Patan is going to be a 40 goal scorer in Toronto, but I think he could be a hell of a value contract. And I felt the same thing about Josh Levo and he's close to already there. It's important. It's what the orders need to be doing this summer. At least one or two of those wingers are going to have to be under a million dollars. I'm just saying. Give you a quick guy. We're going to break. Yep. I look at a guy that uh, I, I have a Jersey of the Sandbird Steel when they played in the AJHL at Service Place. Yes. And uh, I have an autographed jersey from the team, and one of the autographs on that jersey is... he paying is... you to tell you this? Or... No, no. One of, the auto... one of the autographs on that jersey is Daniel Carr. Oh, yes. Who yeah, is now well. playing for the Chicago Wolves, Vegas' his affiliate. 71 points in 52 games in the minors, plus, 30, plus 35. Perfect, perfect uh, example. He's a guy that teams are going to really want in the summer, I think. Well, and also you can see why, you know, if you're looking at Daniel Carr, he's 27, you're like, okay, he's played 100 NHL games, all right. But he is just mopping it up. And he, like, he was a good AHL player in 2015-16. That was a long time ago. Now he's been pushing up, pushing up, pushing up. This would be a great time to go get him for basically nothing, and it can happen. We'll take a break. Are you ready for your homework assignment? Are you ready? I just brought up Daniel Carr, so absolutely. I've been <laughs> I've been monitoring the minor leagues for the last 20 minutes. All right, so that's next. This is Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260. This is the Saturday Sports Extra podcast on demand. This is Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260. Uh, the Don Wheaton on White pregame show at 3.30 today. Uh, Toronto at the orders. We'll have it for you. Uh, and then we'll also have Jeff Grishel at 2 o'clock today. Tomorrow, Oil Kings play against Kootenai at Rogers. On a busy week ahead for the orders, they have the Rangers in New Jersey Monday and Wednesday. The big game is tonight. You win tonight, uh, and then you're... Five back with a game in hand on Minnesota. And I know there's Arizona and Colorado, but Colorado's had some injury news. So I think it's over. But having said that, you want to run it up as close as you can so you get the, the bad draft pick. Uh, so, Clack, are, are you ready for your – have you done your homework? Well, quickly, I wanted to mention, you know why I played more than a feeling just now? I love that song. Is that why? I want to remind the Leafs fans uh, about Boston. Oh, because they're going to have oh, to play Boston subtle. in round one again, and just wanted to mention it. By the way, the uh, the Briars underway to the second end, no score. Canada uh, holding the hammer, blocking the first. Here's your question. The this is a, a a vicious question, and I don't apologize. The Edmonton Oilers enter summer with a substantial shopping list and one area of def- of strength, which is defense including all available Major League, Minor League, graduating junior and Euro talent. Give me your defensive keeper list, the players who you would actively shop uh, from that list, and a list of players and prospects you would be willing to deal in the right trade, including everybody from Dmitry Samarikov all the way to Andres Sekera. Go. Well, first I'm going to mention that we also kind of want to hear your ideas on what you think the Oilers should do with their defense 
going forward. So text us the Boston Pizza inbox to 101260 with your You're ideas. Stalling. And well, just want to mention it. Uh, <laughs> if you text in, you could win a $25 gift card to Wild Wing. And that'd be pretty awesome to have some wings for uh, the upcoming Oilers playoff run. Oh, yes. They, uh, there you go. <laughs> if, if they make a run here. So uh, definitely text us there. Uh, 10, 12, 10, 12, 60, just to remind you. All right. I'm done stalling. Okay. So I guess I'll start with who I have on the roster next year for the Oilers. So Oscar Clefbaum is a given. I think we can all agree that there's no way that Clefbaum is a guy that should be traded at all. Uh, after that, though, that's when it gets interesting. You start there, do you? Okay. Well, <laughs> I start there because Darnell Nurse is a guy that I feel like I would consider trading mm-hmm. for an offensive talent who would be considered elite. And, and here's why it's interesting you chose that name. One of the reasons, anyway, he's under contract at a fair con. Now, he'll be RFA soon, but this summer would be an idea to maybe, you know, at least contemplate. Look, I don't want to trade Darnell Nurse. I'll say that right now. I don't want to trade him. I don't think it's a great idea. However, remember that Hall for Larson trade that, yes. that made shockwaves around the city? No. Well, so imagine Darnell Nurse probably might have more value than Larson, and then you wonder... Okay, can you get a guy that's at the level Taylor Hall was at when you made that trade? That's the question. If you can get a guy under contract with well, a top six forward, and not just a top six forward, but a very heavy impact no. player at his position. There are teams, you know, Philadelphia has been around uh, Nurse really even before the draft. Florida would value him. Uh, I think there are teams who would, would you know, would just love his talent. I mean, look, he can skate like the wind. He's a very physical player. There are reasons why Darnell, Darnell Nurse is uh, valued so highly, and that's why it would be difficult to trade him. You mentioned Florida. That's well, that's a trade you have to ponder, isn't it? If Florida comes calling and goes, what about Huberdo? Because Huberdo is a fantastic player. He's a point-per-game player. He's young. It's it's that kind of trade that they would need to look at. But otherwise, for, for all intents and purposes and what I feel like GMs will offer, Nurse is going to stay on this team okay, for my so money. Clefbaum and Nurse. So Clefbaum and Nurse on the left side. The third pairing D-man on the left side, I think that's up for debate. Right now, though, I would say Andre Secker is perfect as the left guy on Me- the third pairing. Give Mentor, him a, mentor, but also can move up. And- mentor can move the puck. He can move up if necessary. He is my guy right there. And that also allows some breathing room for a Caleb Jones or a William Logason later on, which means... Chris Russell is on the out, and that's okay. why I think they should trade Chris Russell this summer. I don't think shot blockers are guys that can maintain their value and level of play for long periods of time. I think Russell's about to or has already hit the cliff, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's a guy that you want at $4 million as a bottom-pairing guy going forward. Therefore, I want. I think Chris Russell's a guy that, that should be on the outs in the summer, especially because... Uh, it does his his no move kind of changes? Yes, right? it does. He, he, he I think there's ten teams uh, that he can list that he won't go to. But the, his the salary other, drops too. Yeah, and and uh, that's one thing that will make him attractive. Plus, he still has value. He, he's an NHL defenseman. A year from now, you remember Andrew Ferentz, who kept, every year was a little less, right, because yep. of injuries and that sort of thing. So this this is an important uh, pressure point for Russell as an Oiler. You have guys coming and. Yeah, Russell's just a $4 million guy that you can't really afford on this team right now no. going forward, especially because we you have Caleb Jones, William Logason, and we talk about those two. I think I would move one of the young D-men, Caleb right. Jones, Logason, or Bear, one of those three, as part of the deal to get Lucic off your books. I think that's the piece that teams are going to want more 
Uh, I, I would Jesse Pugliarvi is a guy that I know has been mentioned as a throw him in in a Lucic trade, but I don't know if I'm a team. If I'm a team, is Jesse going to be the guy that I want after hip surgery and the year he's had as the enticing piece? I might want a D-man more depending on team needs. Do you? I'm just going to interject here, uh, uh, and uh, because at the deadline, what I heard was. When the owners were going shopping for players, like maybe as rentals or, or guys who had a year left after this one, the, the name Dmitry Samarikov kept coming up over and over again. Uh, he is obviously in the OHL. He's not turned pro yet. Uh, he's a little ways away, we assume. Is that a player you would consider trading in a deal like the Lucic deal that you're discussing? Yep. Okay. And and Samarukov looks really, really good for the Guelph Storm. He's actually higher than a point per game. I think since they traded Ryan Merkley, he's looked like a different player because right. they, he's had a different responsibility there to put up offensive numbers, and he's done well. He's a good skater. He hits like a truck. He kind of reminds me a little bit in junior of Dmitry Kulikov, but I think he's actually got more offensive ability than Kulikov. Well, Kulikov at the start. Yeah. Was able to move the puck. So you're you're contemplating Nurse for Huberdeau. You're thinking about Lucic and Samarikov to move the money off the list. Yeah. But otherwise, well, you're, you're Russell. Left, yeah. Yeah. Russell is the guy you want to move off the roster via trade, maybe for a pick. Yes. Uh, right side, Adam Larson. I, I don't think you can trade him just yet, but I would be looking around a little bit just because I know we, I, I have to pay him in, a, in two years. Right. So this is where you begin the conversation, maybe assuming a year from now you're going to have to replace him. I think you just ask a couple of GMs like, hey, what would you pay? Right. Just like out of curiosity. Like you don't say he's available. You just say, what would that kind of guy, you know, give you? But I don't think Larson's the guy you trade right now. I right. think him and Clefbaum are pretty crucial for next season. Uh, I Hopefully one of these young righties develops into somebody who can at least semi-replace him. Yes. And then outside of that, I think you need to trade for another guy as your number four. I think right. you need an actual right-handed D-man. The right side has been weak. They've had Russell and Sekera go on their off side I think, too many times. I think mm -hmm. the Nurse-Russell pairing has really struggled this year. Yep, they have. They need a right-handed defenseman, whether that's an offensive puck mover or more of a Brett Pesce. That's, that's your call to make, really. But I think that it, it depends on the fit. They're going to have to look at a right-handed top 4D for the second pair. I think they did with Brandon Montour, and he was available. Right. And outside of that, competition. Evan Bouchard, Joel Person, Ethan Bear. Those are three guys that can all move the puck and run a power play. Yep. How about they all come to training camp and fight for one spot? Because I think that'd be really good for all of their development and then have one guy make the roster from there. And the great thing about that is that, that when you call these players – you know, over and you go through training camp, uh, one wins it, the other two go down to, to uh, Bakersfield, they're a recall away. So it's not like it's a uh, impossible task. The one guy that I think might have a little bit of an advantage from that group uh, is uh, Pearson because he's got pro experience a little farther ahead. We'll see when they get here. What would you do with Brandon Manning? He might be the buyout. Yeah. I look at the, I know people were like, oh, Ryan Spooner might be the buyout. Now he's gone. Sam Gagne looks pretty decent to me. Mm -hmm. He might be staying on for next year on his current contract, which means that the one buyout option ends up being Brandon Manning because he's 2.25 and he has no future with the Oilers. You can't, I I just can't see it. It's, it's the, tr especially, you know, what, what the, um, do you know Star Trek at all? Uh, Star Wars okay. is more my forte. Well, yeah. There's a, there's a group of people called the Packlets. Uh, and they are, they don't know how to fix anything. So they, they look for things to make them go. And, and you never want to be the pack lids because you're basically 
thieving stuff because you, you're not smart enough to do it yourself. And so when you when you see the, the team like the Washington Capitals, who have untold riches, and they're trying that all they're trying to do is to extend their their winning years, right? And when they find and I'm not saying Jensen is the be all and end all, but he's a hell of a nice bet. And I feel the same way about Nick Patan. When 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 teams are making those really smart smaller bets, although Jensen wasn't a small bet, but Patan is, then then you you have to wonder if you're an Oilers fan, why isn't my team making those bets? Why why are are, are the Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know, you know, basically auditioning Ty Ratty and then having him on the team, uh, and and then the next coach doesn't like him? I would like to know. Uh, from the Edmonton Oilers in, in in moving forward, I would like to know the thought process, and I know I can't, but I would like to believe the thought process for all the Oilers fans that I know is better than whatever the thought process was that went into the acquisition of Brandon Manning. I think Oilers fans deserve that. Well, quickly to finish my homework, I think that they should look into re-signing Kevin Gravel on a cheap deal. Nice. He's willing to yeah. come back as a number 7D. Yep. And last but not least, I think this is good for the player and the team. I think that they have to continue exploring a trade for Matt Benning. Uh, Matt Benning, I think, might have a better chance with another organization. He has the skill. We haven't seen it since, since the concussion. The yeah, 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 that yeah. that hurt him. Uh, I think that Benning has some some promise in him, but I do think that it'll be another organization that unlocks it. If anything, I, I think that he needs a fresh start. I, you know, I'm. That's one area that I will disagree. I'm, I'm stubborn on Benning. I, I think he's a guy who can help. Uh, he's playing well with Sekera now. One thing I will say though, if if Bouchard makes the team next year, I plant him with Sekera on that third pair, and I just I tell him just be a sponge. Fully agree with that. Sekera no. Bouchard would be a third pairing uh, that I would really love, and if not Bouchard, Ethan Bear. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, the orders make bets; they're just wrong bets. All right. Um, as an unapologetic Leafs fan, I would like to see the Oilers show up without defensemen tonight. Just saying. <laughs> you know, the Leafs fans in town, to me, this is a great game. It's early, which is kind of, uh, you know, I don't like change. But big game tonight. Big game. Oilers have done so poorly on Hockey Night in Canada going back a while. So my assumption is it won't be a great night. And by, you know, 540, people will already be slamming car doors and, and you know, kitchen cupboards and things like that. All of that said, it's kind of fun. You know, I, I know they're on the outskirts of the playoffs, but this is the good stuff. This is the stuff you get excited about. This is the stuff that had Howie Meeker throwing his pen and his glasses and spitting on Dave Hodge's suit. It's the good stuff. 138, we'll take a break. I, I'm not sure if we're going to be talking to Crush after the break, but if not, we'll talk about him. How's that? It's Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260. This is the Saturday Sports Extra podcast on demand. Sunny, beautiful day, warm temperatures on the way. No flooding. No flooding. By the way, the briar underway. Uh, this is um, Gushu Botcher, right? Yes. And... Uh, the botcher, they they've stolen one, and now they're they, you know the shot making in this like it, it the, the the Scotties and this I just like I'm just blown away by the ability of these people. It is incredible, you know. It just is. There's so much touch, and and they can they can also like recover by working hard, getting the getting the rock down there. 
I'm telling you. Hey, you see similar uh, similar stuff at the CTV Bond Spiel, right? Almost identical. Just the same. Almost identical. You know, have you ever jam can curled? No. Okay. I've only curled with, with milk, like the, the big milk, uh, like not the cartons, but like they're big <laughs> buckets of milk or so. I don't even know. I sound really dumb now, whatever I'm saying. Well, it's... Curling is... Jam can curling, You, you, you there's a lot of takeouts, put it that way. Uh, but these guys are, are... They're on another planet. They really are. It's amazing to watch. Well, I'd love to, to bring up some some quick texts, by the way, that I can answer for, that I've seen sure. throughout the show and I've had an itch to why, answer them. Why don't you do that? That's a great idea. Uh Josh Anderson needs to be a target for the Oilers. Yeah, tell Tyler Remchuk that. I bet you Remchuk thought about texting that in. That sounds, <laughs> he loves Josh Anderson. Uh, do you think Cassian and Kadri fight tonight? I would pay to see that. It won't. It won't happen. The Oilers can't afford to be. If if Cassian's in the penalty box and has taken any penalties at all, he's in. He's feeling shame and he's in trouble. Can't uh, do it tonight. Yeah. Uh, LT and Clock, other than size and strength, do you feel like Russell and Larson have the same skill set? No. I don't. I think Larson is better. Larson is there's a, as we get into these metrics that they're they're going to be building now and, and and publicizing in the in the zone the high scoring zone offensively Larson is really good at being a shutdown defenseman it does have value uh, it's hard to measure but it does have value and Larson is good at it and that's where his value comes from he's the goalie's best friend Russell is a great shot blocker but there's more chaos going on uh, someone said, why don't we trade Russell and buy Skinner in UFA? I think that Skinner is going to be too expensive for this team. Like, eight, I expect eight, eight, eight mil. Yeah, eight is what, yeah. Uh, I might want to look at a guy like Gustav Nyquist as a free agent. They'll, you know, depending upon who they buy out, they might have dollars. And Nyquist is an interesting option. The the guy that I can't find, and we talked about it in your, your segment there, your homework segment, is that right-handed second pair defenseman. That's why the Jensen thing was such a wise move who is that guy out there might be dougie hamilton who peter shirelli did like but what is it what cost does he come at right that's the well, problem that's 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 maybe where yes he pull gets thrown into play oh. we see how much more you have to add to that but it might if it's the first round pick you're like uh i don't know but you have bouchard coming too that's another factor do we have enough museums for dougie hamilton the Royal Alberta Museum, it opened like... Oh, it's lovely. It's a lovely museum. Like, Hamilton will love that museum. And we have the Aviation Museum. There's the Reynolds Museum out in Wetaskiwin. Yeah, okay. Maybe enough. We have enough. Yeah. I think. I've the Art Gallery, been, right? I've always been a fan of Dougie Hamilton. Always. And there's a guy who might, you know... Like, I, I don't know why he gets traded so often. Maybe, maybe that's a scratch that the others don't want to itch. I don't know. Oh, let's see here. Would a guy like Bob McKenzie ever consider putting his name in the ring for a GM position? He was asked that on the Bobcast, on his on his podcast. Uh, he said he should have got into the NHL 10 years ago or so if he wanted to be a GM. He said he's, his time has passed on that. He wouldn't be no. interested today because he said it's a bigger job than you think. That's my, what I said earlier, is that, that you, like, it's, it's a monster, like, like, we we don't have access to all the information that these NHL teams do. And it's gone from, I remember somebody said the other day, well, they get the, the orders are subscribed to this this service. It's beyond service. You, you've got teams who have their own intellectual property 
and they've got like staffs of five, ten people who are, you know, drilling down on this information and they're not giving it to anybody. The data is the data. They're drilling down on the stuff that matters and they're finding the, the jewels. And, and if you're not doing that, if you're an organization that's not, and we know who's getting hired, right? Calgary hired a guy, uh, Johnson, a year ago, uh, uh, Washington, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Toronto's got a, talk about museums. Yep. They got a, they got a, they got an entire like assembly line of people there. Minnesota devils. They both have analytic teams. And, and like, these are really smart people. And what they can do is take all the data and find what the important piece of information is. And that intellectual, and it's not all the same. They're not all going, okay, well, we've found it. It's not like, you know, you're, you know, it's a Sunday in the backyard uh, and you're, you're searching for, for Easter eggs, although that's fun. This is, this is finding what, what works for the, your organization, what you think to be true, and then testing it against everybody else. The, the really, really, really difficult teams, the ones that are in real trouble, who are not even in that, they, they don't even go to those classes. They don't even, they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what you don't know. And that's a problem. And uh, it will be a bigger problem a year from now. A lot of people asking who is in charge of the salary cap with the Oilers. Okay. I'm going to just say one thing there. So you go ahead first. Well, so before technically on a technicality, it'd be Bill Scott, who's the yeah. director of salary cap management and the assistant to the president of hockey operations. But that last part is kind of interesting because assistant to the president of hockey operations, well, Peter Shirelli, just because Bill Scott's the cap guy yeah. does not mean that Shirelli is not. Thank you. Pushing I appreciate the river. you saying that. Yeah. It, 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 Bill Scott, I've never met Bill Scott, but I'm going to, I'm going to defend him until the cows come home. No self-respecting capologist is is going to tell you to trade for Brandon Manning. It's like a, a waiter or waitress walking over with a steak and suggesting you put ketchup on it, which, by the way, will get you thrown out of my house. Did you know that? Well, you don't put ketchup on steak. I have before. Oh, my God. Why well, I have. I'm not even a big steak fan, so oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can just see the disappointment. It just, I, 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 whenever it's like a food thing, or you, I'm, you like to bring stuff up sometimes, and you're like, "Yeah, clack." Like, what do you eat? And I just go like, "Oh, none of that." I just don't help your cause at all. I don't help you at all. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, let's see. We have a text. What about Craig Button? Um, I, I like Craig Button as an evaluator. Well, no, people are mad at him sometimes. I like that he has the courage of his convictions. He's a very nice guy. Dean would be upset because he's a great guest on his show. He would be like, who am I going to get? Like, like Craig Button's, a, he, who am I going to get from? Say it, Clack. Well, this, actually, Craig Button would be great if he was with, uh, like, it, Todd Button's still in Calgary, right? Yeah. So you have Edmonton, Calgary, Craig Button versus Todd Button. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Uh, and then last but not least, I think the last thing I'll mention here that I saw that was interesting, a uh, couple of texts about the wingers, and they someone mentioned, you know, don't trade nurse. Like I said, I don't. Oh, really no, this want isn't a trade like a, nurse. Like, it has to be like a hall level player for me to do so. Darnell Nurse does something that no other Oiler defenseman currently can, and that is skate the puck out of danger. Yep, and is he key. is he flies out of that zone. That's not he it's not that he doesn't have value. It's that you're gonna in a year from now or whatever it is, two years from now, you're gonna be paying a lot for 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 him and and that's going to be the problem. I want to make this my last point and I want to make it very clear before I run the bed. Okay. I am tired of hearing from everybody that the Oilers need to get a winger. They don't need one winger, 
They need four. This is a team that has a bunch of problems so on you wing. Hate, yes, Apple, Yarvi, and Connor Yamamoto. I don't hate them. They might be the part of the four that we need. But right now, the Edmonton Oilers organization is devoid of NHL wingers that can play in the top six do right you, now. Do you know what I wish for the Edmonton Oilers coach and general manager is that in the fall, they have the option of running those three centers because their wings are so strong. That is the ideal world. And no. and then, you know what? You can move Drysaddle up to wing maybe, but that's versatility. And the, the, you know, I mean, I know unicorns don't exist, but if you could find, you know, Yamamoto's going to be a bargain uh, next year. Maybe he can make the team. If you could find like three more wingers to add to this group, maybe we can talk unicorns in the fall. That's the dream. Don't fly too close to the sun. Don't promise it. Ketchup and steak is a great combo like bacon on a cheeseburger. That's a text we just got, so that settles it. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just disappointed. I want to thank Tom Gazzola from TSN, Ian Tullock from The Athletic. I want to thank you for listening. I want to tell you that Jeff Grishel is on the way. The Don Wheaton on White pregame show is at 3.30 with Mr. Millard. He'll be with Hallie at 3.30? Okay. And then... Uh, Will, uh, the, the post game, will he be with Hernan? Okay. All right. We've, we've got the lineups. And then tomorrow we've got the Old Kings and Kootenai. Thanks so much for tuning in to Saturday Sports Extra. Enjoy your weekend and tonight, party on.